Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsradio.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies, 1500 AM and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now, here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And it's, as always, an exciting week in technology. YouTube went out during a critical semifinal match of the World Cup, YouTube TV. And the fans were very upset. Uh huh. MacBook, Apple has finally refreshed the MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. People were really complaining about that, and uh, but now they've done it. And Surface Go is being released by Microsoft to compete with the iPad. So there's some device news out there today. Today we're going to feature the man who is father of robotics. He's, an, he's got an interesting interesting story. This is uh, John Engelberger, and uh, he's, um, he actually developed, his company developed the first robotic arm used in manufacturing. Wow. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. I'm glad he showed up this morning. Oh, yeah. He's, he's right on time here. Let me get all the – got so many letters yeah, here. A lot. I gotta it, get it, everything. The mailbag is overflowing. The mailbag is overflowing. Let me just get it. It's hard to get on, this, on the uh, counter here because it's so heavy. We got an email from Jim in the studio. Oh, hey, hi. Wow. Hi, Doc. I'd like to recover some of my long-lost iTunes – songs from my long-lost iTunes account. It's been a while, as in years, since I've accessed it. I've reached the maximum number of devices on the account. None of those devices exist anymore, but I can't add another advice because I've used all the devices. What can I do? Please help me recover my ABBA, my Bee Gees, and my Spirogyra? you never heard of Spirogyra? No, I've never heard of Spirogyra. Well, you will now. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, we're, we're that are go. now lost or either gone forever. Here we go. Here's Spirogyra. <laughs> I don't know how you could live without it, Jim. <laughs> I mean, that is like, I don't know how you could I could drive without that. I, I Drive into a bridge it, button, that's maybe. That's yeah. right. That is really something. Yeah. So anyway, so what do I do? Well, this is the thing. You need to deauthor. Well, first of all, you have to actually log back into the iTunes account. So you need to have it at least on one device. Which is a problem. I, that's the problem. I don't have it on anything. Now. You don't have it on. You don't have it on anything, because what you have to do is, so what you can do, uh, because you actually have to log into your iTunes account, and then you go to my Apple ID under the iTunes Store. Okay. And then you go to Manage Devices. Okay. So what what you're going to have to do since you've maxed out, you have to do that from within. The iTunes account. Have you changed your Apple ID since you had that iTunes account? No. I, I, I go into it all the time because I have other subscriptions like MLB Baseball and stuff like that. So I can. So you've got the store. I do have the store. Wait a minute. We have some Herb Alpert. Okay. We, he's missing too. All right. 
So here's the Sorry. thing. You can go into the store, the iTunes store, mm-hmm. because you've because you've you you've got you've got it on something, uh, like on an iPad or something, yeah, I don't do. you? Oh, it's on my phone. It's on your phone. So then you go to the iTunes store and view my Apple ID and then manage devices. Okay. And then you'll see a list of the devices and just Deauthorize de- the ones that, that you have, and then you're set. And then I can go back because on my, I have one of the very first generation iPods, the yep. little tiny thingies, yep. and I'd like to use that again if it's if the battery still so you works. Can, so you, you so you can activate that now, right now. But if, then, but so I have I have iTunes that I've purchased since, you know. Uh, that are on the phone, but there's yeah. stuff that goes back in perpetuity that I'd like to get back. Yeah, and that's how I wind up doing it. Yeah, that's how, that's okay. how you would do it. Okay. And uh, but I'm wondering whether you actually have a new iTunes account. That's a good and, question. And your old one is there. Yeah, well, Chuck Mangione's waiting. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yes, he's there. I, I I can see you. You went back to old memory lane. I know. Actually, what I would do because you you do run the risk if you if you. Um, Start monkeying around with that; it might just delete everything from the old iTunes. That would account. be bad. So I think I would call the Apple support. Group. That's what I was thinking about doing before I really messed I, it up. I would call the Apple support people because they can log into your account if you mm-hmm. once you verify that you are who you are, mm-hmm. and they can delete those those songs, and they can also merge the two iTunes the, accounts for you. Oh, good, uh, good. So this you is know? not money that's been lost. No, no, I, because because this is a more... problem that Apple has. If, if people lose all their purchased songs because of device failures, Apple's whole iTunes business model goes away. So they are set up to help you recover. Oh, that's great. Do, do we have time for – and that's the answer, right? Yes, yes. Do we have time for a sidebar? Yes, we do. Okay, Andrew Mitchell has a, S- a Spyro Gyro story. Yeah, yes. you're putting down my homeboys. They're from Buffalo, New York, as Whoa. I am. And so in 1979, when they had that hit, we were just hearing Morning Dance. Uh-huh. You know, I went to go see him in concert, and it, at that time it was still the a pretty small hit. venue, like a couple hundred seats uh-huh. in Buffalo, New York, so like a bigger bar. And I'm sitting at a table like within uh, – I'm right up front, uh-huh. and the, the drummer – was banging so hard on the drums, he actually cracked. He snapped his drumstick, and he threw <laughs> the bigger part out into the crowd, and I caught it. Wow. And I still have that to this day. The Spyro Gyro drumstick. <laughs> Whoa, that is. Andrew, that's, that's quite a story. Be, that's going to be worth millions. <laughs> yes, it I would is. get it framed. I think but, you should bring it in sometime. <laughs> so where did the name Spyro Gyro come from? Oh, you, you yeah, know the well, answer to that, yeah, right? So, yeah, right. So, you know, they were high school-educated kids, so mm-hmm. they knew about algae. And but the bar owner didn't. They didn't have a name, so they're performing at a bar, and the bar guy says, "You know, well, what's your band's name?" So he just says Spirogyra, and the guy did not know how to spell it. So usually it's S P I R O G R G Y R A. So one word, Spirogyra, and he wrote S P Y R O second word G Y R A, and that is the official way to spell Spirogyra, the group. And if you Google the other way, you won't get any mention of the group at all. Very good. You know. All well, the things you Jim, learn on the show. Jim, you're going to have to get Spyro Gyro back because now we know the whole story. I will be so happy. Now now I can get it back. Thank you, Doc, very okay. much, as always. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. Okay, listen, I've got a sidebar, too. Okay. This w- Friday the 13th was really <laughs> oh, a no. bad day for me. <laughs> I, been, I, and I knew this when I, my phone rang last night at I, 10 o'clock with a, I, a number I, I don't know. I realized how dependent I am on electronics. So uh-huh. I was out I was out on the jet ski out at uh, 
what they call TP Beach, right on Chesapeake Bay near Indian Creek. Okay, this is down in the Northern Neck. Down right? in Northern Neck, and I I was out there, and uh, you know I you know I docked the uh, you know I I anchored the boat in what I thought was deep enough water, but unfortunately the tide was going out. So when I came back to the jet ski, you know it was grounded. And a jet ski weighs about 800 yeah. pounds. So, you know, I can't just lift it up and carry it out. Mm-hmm. So I pushed and pushed and pushed. You know, there were two of us. We pushed it out. And uh, and then I started the engine too fast, and I sucked in a bunch of sand. And I and I took – I had to go back about four or five – and I could only go five knots because if I go – if I'd go faster than that, the uh, the propeller would uh, – the, the, the impeller? The turbine would yeah. uh, would, would cavitate. So I just hold it at which four. means the, the the vessel it would it, 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 it wouldn't go any faster. Mm-hmm. So I, I held and it, it vibrates violently. Yeah. yeah. So I held it at, at four thousand RPM. It just went back at five miles an hour. And then I decided later in the evening to go out and work on it. So I went out to work on the jet ski, and my cell phone fell in the water. <sighs> and so that was the second big event on the Friday oh, the thirteenth. That's not good. Well, you know what? When you said that you dropped it. In the water last yeah. night, I thought you were saying in the water closet, possibly. Yeah, in the water. No, <laughs> no, no, but it was in the Chesapeake Bay. No, it's bed. it's nice, uh, nice salt water, so, and it's just it's toast. So uh, I I realized how dependent I am because I used it for navigation. I had yeah. no music in the car, and uh, this morning I had to stand in line at Starbucks because I couldn't order on the mobile app. And I just had to pay like a regular person. Oh my God! It was just humiliating. That's awful. I'm so sorry it that is, you had to go through. And that. then I have, you know, I do research on TikTok. I've got Flipboard, which actually I put in all the keywords, and it surfs the web and gets all the articles that I need for TikTok. So I couldn't even look at Flipboard. So how did you fi- how did you do the show? How did you get everything together? Well, I, last night I drove home. I left at midnight. Got home at two thirty. And then I got up at 3 o'clock and did the show. You called me from the Northern Neck last night? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was at Northern Neck last night. I left Northern Neck at, uh, at well, I didn't want to cut short the weekend so then, <laughs> or the week. So I, so I left last night at midnight. I got home at 2.30. I took a 30-minute rest, and I got up and did the show at 3 o'clock. So you're working on 30 minutes sleep. That's right. I'm working on 30 minutes sleep. But I, and I, Starbucks, which n- you paid and, for. And I'm going to report how well... Yeah. I got Apple Care when I got my uh, iPhone. When I bought it at the uh, Apple store, I have Apple Care. I'm going to see whether I can get the whole cell phone replaced, even though I dropped it in the water. I'm sure we'll get a full report next week. I'm going to talk about that, yeah, next week. It's going to be a big report next year on yep. Apple Care. We got an email from Alex in Fairfax. Dear Doc and Jim, what is an RTF file and how do I open it? Someone at work gave me an RTF file, and I'm at a loss as to what to do with it, Alex. Well, the RTF, it's it's the extension on the file. It's a document file, .rtf, and that stands for Rich Text Format. And normally, text files are just, you know, text. But if you've got a rich text format, it has extra information about fonts, formatting, images, and more. So it's a, it's a formatted file, just like Microsoft Word. They're great for cross-platform sharing because... A lot of the um, Word applications support rich text format. So you could you could create a document in Microsoft Word, and you could save it as a rich text format, and then you could transfer it to another word processor like LibreOffice or OpenOffice or AbiWord, and they all read RTF. Now, the RTF was created by the Microsoft Word team back in the 1980s, and they wanted to create a universal format that could go between all the word processors. You know, that's when we had, you know, 
all these different like word perfect and all these different and they were all fighting over which format was right so they wanted a, a word processing neutral format that could go back in between them now microsoft stopped supporting this uh this rtf format back in 2008 but nearly everything else supports it so really if you've got any kind of word application or or word processing application on your computer you just click on it and it will open the rtf file you'll have no trouble at all we got an email from Jeannie in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Dear Doc and Jim, I have DirecTV without either internet or phone. She's just getting the straight, the straight entertainment package, mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, but I'm paying more than $160 a month. My subscription includes HBO and some other movie channels. I've had DirecTV for over 20 years, and it just keeps going up and up. And up. Now, I got the, a, Veria, a, a Verizon Fios box installed in my basement, but I'm, I've never used Verizon as a service. I need to get a better deal. What are my options? I'm not really that tech savvy, but I know I could do better. Jeannie in Pittsburgh. Well, first of all, Jeannie, you need to get the internet and the programming bundle. Not to have internet in the house is a sin because. You know, you really need internet for, you know, a lot of things like over-the-top content like Netflix or Amazon Prime. Now, you could consider getting DirecTV for internet. And then, and, and I think if you look at that, you can get internet from DirecTV for about $60 a month. Um, but they may, but since you've been with them 20 years, they might tell you you can't really get it cheaper. That's the game they play. And then if you get direct, and then you could add DirecTV now for thirty-five dollars a month. You could add, you could add HBO to your DirecTV now for only five dollars a month. Now here's the ace in the hole, Genie. You've got Verizon FiOS in the basement. Uh, Verizon FiOS has a great introductory offer, just like DirecTV now does. So what I would do, I'd tell DirecTV now you're switching to Verizon, and give them give them an end date. And then go to Verizon and work and get their new customer deal, which is good for about two years. And uh, and then if DirecTV lets you go after two years, you come back to DirecTV as a new customer. And every two years you switch back and forth, and you'll always get the, 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 the new customer rate. But I believe that once you tell DirecTV now, DirecTV that you're going to switch to Verizon, they're going to transfer you to the recovery specialist. And that recovery specialist is going to be authorized to give you the new customer rate. So I think you can do much better than that. But I'd highly recommend that you get Internet as part of the package because they're already giving you connectivity. So adding Internet is just like getting another channel. So you really should be able to get that quite well. Good luck with negotiating with DirecTV and Verizon. You see, you're the perfect customer that DirecTV has. You've been with them 20 years. They think you'll never quit. So they so they have no incentive to give you a good deal. You got to make your threat to quit believable. We got an email from Betty in Oakton. Dear Tech Talk, I avoid FaceTime, Facebook. There are too many problems with it. It's just not my thing. Can somebody can somebody create a Facebook account using my name without my permission? How do I check for any? What unique identifier does Facebook use? An email address? If I found a Facebook page impersonating me, what could I do about it? Enjoy the podcast, Betty and Oakton. 
Well, Betty, a Facebook account is no different than any other online account. Your unique identifier, as you call it, is probably your email address. And indeed, you're required to set up and you're required to set a password on the account using your email address. Then when you log into Facebook account, you use your email and password. When you associate an email account with Facebook, you must verify you actually own the email address. So if somebody can't use your email address, they'll send you an email to your email address, and then you have to validate the link to say, yeah, I own that email address. So people cannot really use your email address for a bogus account. They would have to use a different email address, not your personal email address. But it's easy to set up imposter accounts. I mean, people probably know a lot of stuff about you just, just by surfing the web. So somebody could set up a fake Facebook account. They probably, There might be some pictures online of you. They could, put the, they could set a whole big fake Facebook account at impersonating Betty. Now, they couldn't use your email address, so they'd have, they would set up another email address, which maybe it would be on Gmail or Yahoo, and they might use Betty at Yahoo. And, you know, it's not, uh, it's not your account, but it's, it's one that they've created. And uh, now, if you, so you can search for your name on Facebook to see if anybody's impersonating you. And if they are impersonating you, you can contact Facebook, and they have a link called Report an Imposter Account Page. And, um, you know, they may do something if the Facebook page is doing anything libelous concerning you. They may do something. Now, if they do something that's really bad in terms of defaming you or lying about you, then it crosses over to illegal activity. You may be able to contact law enforcement. But I can tell you law enforcement really puts Facebook impersonation as a low priority. You're not going to get much out of them. You, you probably get more out of the Facebook page. So uh, it's not really a big issue, but it could be an issue, and so you can check for it. We got an email from John in Kansas. Dear Tech Talk, my Windows 10 computer installed the latest updates. Now it's stuck on this page. Do not turn off during Windows updates. I've waited a day, and it's still stuck on that page. Now, I need to use my computer. Can I turn it off? And what damage will it do, John in Kansas? You know, sometimes people do get stuck on that page. Yeah. It happens. Well... Uh, the the page that you're saying, let's say that the, the page that says getting Windows ready, do not turn off your computer, appears while Windows is installing updates. Windows will normally finish the installation process if you give it time, but if it's been there for hours, you may need to restart your machine. Now, the update process will. Um, they they say that now what happens is that if you restart your machine, it what doesn't ruin your operating system. But the update process will fail, um, and uh, and then you'll just have to reinstall the update. So if you turn off your computer when it's just you know it's only like twenty eight or thirty percent installed, not not fully installed, probably they haven't actually replaced the op the whole operating system yet. So if you turn off that, you, you may be able to just reboot and it will come up immediately. And it will say, update failed, you want to try it again. And, and the operating system will just come up without a problem. Now, if the install has gone further than that, maybe at a 40 or 50% range, then actually portions of the operating system may have been replaced. In that case, when you restart the machine, it will come up and it will give you a sign that says, restoring your operating system from a previous version. And then it will reboot 
and then it will come up. So in either case, you're going to be okay. So uh, you can turn off the machine, but if, if you see that do not restart screen for more than a couple of hours, I just recommend restarting it, and all will not be lost. We got an email from Ralph in Reston. Dear Tech Talk, I've been adding features to my high-performance gaming PC at home. Now, sometimes I have trouble installing the correct Windows 10 drivers for these devices. What do you recommend, Ralph and Reston? Well, Ralph, all your computer hardware from the motherboard to the webcam need drivers to perform properly. Now, what a driver is, it's a software program, and the hardware has hardware-level commands that are specific to that particular piece of hardware that are used to manip manipulate the hardware. And then that software driver translates the hardware command into commands that Windows likes to use. So Windows uses generic commands to control the hardware, and it doesn't want to know every little special hardware command for every little device. So what happens is that whenever a, a manufacturer creates a new piece of hardware, they write a software program that translates their hardware commands into the hardware commands that the Windows operating system wants, and that translation program is called the driver. Now, it turned, and now, you really do want to have the latest drivers for things like graphics cards, say N NVIDIA graphics cards or AMD chips or Intel graphics if you're playing games. And, and what happens is that the manufacturers will submit their, their uh, updated drivers to, to Microsoft, and then Microsoft will verify them, and then they'll put them on the web. So the, 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 the drivers that Microsoft downloads could be, could be you know, a month a month out of date or two months out of date because they verify them before they put them up. But if, if Microsoft delivers them, you know they're good. So I'd go ahead and get your drivers from Microsoft. If there's an issue with any of your devices, go directly to the manufacturer and download the driver for your specific device. Now, there are websites out there that, that, that say, we will give you, uh, you know, device drivers. Those are scammy devices, and you may end up, you know, installing malware on your device. Don't go to any of those scammy device downloader um, websites. Go directly to NVIDIA or AMD or Intel to download the drivers, and then you'll be just fine. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Profiles in IT. Today we're going to feature Joseph Frederick Engelberger, and we're going to give a demotion to Mr. Big Voice. <coughs> Joseph Frederick Engelberger developed the first industrial robot, Inimate. 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 I-N-I-M-A-T-E. Inimate. Maybe it's Unimate. It's Unimate. Unimate. Yeah, Unimate. Yeah, much better. Okay. <coughs> he was called, and he's been called by some, the father of robotics for his contributions to the field of robotics. Mm -hmm. Joseph Engelberger was born July 26, 1925, in Brooklyn, New York. He grew up in Connecticut during the Great Depression, but later returned to New York for his college education. He got a B.S. in physics, so I like this guy, in 1946. Physics, yes. Yeah. And he got a Master's of Science in Electrical Engineering in 1949 from Columbia. Well, he got them both from Columbia. Then he worked as an engineer at Manning, Maxwell, and Moore. And this was a, an engineering company there. And, um, and he met a guy by the name of George Duvall at a cocktail party in Westport in 1956. Duvall 
actually had designed and patented a very simple rudimentary industrial robotic arm. So Duvall envisioned this thing. And, and by the way, Duvall's patent had no prior art in it. It was the first patent for a robotic arm, but, but Duvall really didn't know how to, you know, how to make a company out of it and, and scale it. So it turned out then that, um, that Engelberger was kind of fascinated with this thing, and, and he was an engineer, and, and he was always interested in this whole idea of automation. And it, the next year, Manning, Maxwell, and Moore, where Engelberger worked, was sold, and Engelberger's division was closed. So Engelberger was out of work. So he said, well, I'm out of work. I met this guy, um, uh, Duvall, and uh, George Duvall had a kind of a good idea. So he said, why don't we form a company? And, uh, and so he formed a company in 1956, like the, the year after his, he, he, was, he lost his job. And they, they found Unimation. Unimation, the first robotics company, was co-founded with George Duvall. Now, in 1957, Engelberger founded Consolidated Controls Corporation. And as president of Unimation, Engelberger, Engelberger collaborated with Duvall to engineer and produce the industrial robot under the brand name Unimate. Unimate. So this was sort of the deal. And so I would say Engelberger, it's sort of like the, the relationship here is sort of like Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak at Apple. Like Wozniak made the first circuits, but it was really Steve Jobs who envisioned what could be done with it, packaged it, scaled it, and sold it. So I would say Engelberger, sort of the Steve Jobs of robotics, hmm. and Duvall is like the 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 Woz of of robotics, if you if you want to have a an analogy here. And so they actually developed their first Unimate robotic arm, and it was installed. It was installed in a General Motors plant in Ewing, New Jersey, in 1961. That was only five years after they had done this thing, and it actually was transformed General Motors production. Uh, and it just took the industry by storm. Soon after General Motors installed robotic arms, Chrysler installed robotic arms, and Ford Motor Company did, and everybody was producing cars using robots. Now, they sold the first Unimate for $35,000. Actually, it was at a $35,000 loss. <laughs> they lost $35,000 huh. on the first one they sold. But they figured they're going to make it up on uh, volume. <laughs> and yeah. as demand increased, production costs went down. And in the end, they could sell each one of the Unimates at a significant profit. So the company was profitable, you know, the second year. Very profitable. Engelberger became a key player in the Japanese manufacturing uh, quality and efficiency movement. So he worked with the Japanese to bring automation to Japan. So he was actually not America first, but robotics first. Mm -hmm. And he was just giving robotics, you know, around the world. In 1966, Engelberger, because he's the ultimate salesman, just like Steve Jobs, he appeared on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson with the Unimate robot. And the Unimate robot poured a beer for Johnny. <laughs> Lit a cigarette. No, it's, <laughs> it sank a golf putt, and then it directed the band. That's pretty funny. It did, I, it, it did everything except say, here's Johnny. Hi-oh. <laughs> um, I looked to see if that was on YouTube because that would have been 
fun at least to play the audio side of that. It would have been, TV, but, it, but it's not out there. It's not out there. I, no. you know, I looked forward to. It. I couldn't find anything. Now, Engelberger, Engelberger published articles, gave congressional testimony on the value of using automation in space. He was pushing NASA. He was telling NASA, he says, you don't need to send men in space. You need to send robots in space. And NASA at that time was always focused on man in space. And so at his urging, and, and he consulted for NASA on the use of robotics in space, NASA ended up, you know, sending up a large number of robotic spacecraft. I mean, that's what we got on Mars now, looking around at things. And so now some of our most, our most su- successful Space explorations are done through robots only and, and not and not with men on board. And that was really influenced, very heavily influenced by Engelberger. Now, automotive companies had been Unimation's earliest and most reliable clients. Now, the robotic arm that Engelberger developed was all hydraulic space. And the automotive industry was moving away from robotics, and they were moving toward electric motors. Now, Engelberger said, he held firm, he said, electric motors are never going to be successful in robotics. Big mistake. The sales at Unimation dropped dramatically as companies began buying robotic arms from companies that sold them with electric motors. And I think they, they, they like the electric motors because they were easier to maintain. You, you don't have to maintain the, you know, the hydraulic lines. You don't have leaks. Electric motors just easier to maintain. So f- sales fell. The company was ultimately acquired by Westinghouse in 1982 for 107 million dollars. And then Engelberger founded another company, Transitions Research Corporation, and he inter- he thought robotics would really help in the health industry. So he created HelpMate, which was a mobile robot hospital courier. You know, the nurse needs, hey, would you get me a, you know, a new syringe or something? And they'd send helpmate to get it. So within a decade, over 100 hospitals worldwide operated helpmates in order to, uh, you know, improve their service. Ultimately, helpmate was acquired by Cardinal Health in 1998, and then Engelberg left. In 2000, the World Automation Congress was dedicated to Engelberg. He gave the keynote address. Now, Engelberg did not like robots with legs. He, he thought that was crazy. He thought robots should just roll around. Why was that? Because it's very hard to balance. I mean, you, yeah. you, you spend a lot of processing for the whole walking deal. Now, mm-hmm. he, now he did favor arms because arms, you do stuff with it. And, of course, he was, he was building arms. He wasn't building mm-hmm. legs. <laughs> <laughs> he could build a forearm device and... <laughs> Teach it to crawl. Never That's mind. That's right. He, well, that is, and so, but, and, and, and really, I think, so most of the robots are either motionless or they roll. I mean, there are a few robots that are now walking, but, but an awful lot of processing power is, is used to have them walk. Engelberg died in December 1st, 2015 in Newtown, Connecticut at 90. Mm-hmm. In 1980, he published the book Ro- Robotics in Practice. That book became a classic, and it was translated into uh, six languages. Engelberg's most famous co-invention, the ultimatum industrial robotic arm, was among the first inductees into the Robot Hall of Fame. Unimate. The Unimate, yeah. The Robot Hall of Fame in 2003. 
Very cool. So I don't know where that Robot Hall of Fame is, but that would be interesting I'll see. I'll see if I can find that during the break. So there you know everything you need to know about Joseph Frederick Engelberger, the hope, father of robotics. Hope you were paying attention because your knowledge will resort, uh, result in free lunch coming up when we play the pop quiz here on Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2. On the web at stratford.edu, watch us do the program by downloading the Periscope device to your uh, your Periscope app to your device, rather, and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most sought-after fields. With accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu slash 2018. That's stratford.edu slash 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu slash 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell. Jim Ross, featuring Mr. Big Voice, with musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band, and your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Please sit down, please sit They're down. Being, they know you've had a rough day, please they're going to cooperate Please sit put, put those cell phones down, it's only making me feel You're bad. You're giving everybody a bucket of water to put that's their cell right, phones that's in. That's right, please, only making me feel bad. Now, this, of course, is a classroom of the airways. You get the correct answer to the pop quiz to show that you've been listening. You'll get an A-plus for this session and get some tickets to fine dining at one of our Stratford University dining rooms. Earlier in the show, we talked about Joseph Frederick... Engelberger, who was father of robotics, and he co-developed the first industrial robot, Unimate. Where was that? What company bought the first Unimate? If you know the answer to the question, you need to pick up the phone. <clears throat> Where did he go? He sure would love it if you'd pick up the phone and call us now. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, <clears throat> it's 877-936-9333. If you're calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're watching tonight's show reruns in Canada, call us on the wild card line, 877-936-9333. 
And of course, as always, the international line is 8779-3639-333. And if you're calling from a jet ski grounded on a sandbar, <laughs> you can reach us on Skype. Simply connect to Tech Talk Radio 1, and your call will be forwarded to the studio free of charge. And Mitchell, our adjunct professor for prize distribution and crowd control, is standing by to take your call, so dial now. So YouTube TV has apologized for the outage during the World Cup semifinals. England and Croatia were playing the semifinal match in the World Cup, and this would determine which country would go to the finals. And this was hotly contested. Of course, England figured they would win this thing without a problem, but Croatia won. And this show was watched by millions around the around the world. And right in the middle of that show... YouTube TV became unreliable, and they actually didn't broadcast anything for the last 10 minutes. YouTube TV sent out a tweet saying it was just horrible timing, and that was really an under an, under, an understatement. So what they're doing, they are giving anybody who was a subscriber to YouTube TV one month of free service. That's worth about $10. <laughs> because it's $40 a month, so you get one month of free service. Service is worth $40 a month plan. Oh, no, one week. It's only one because week of 10, free service. It's 40, $40 a month? Yeah, so it's $10. Yeah, one week of free service, and that's worth $10. That is pathetic. That is not good at all. I don't really think that is a very good idea. Now, the MacBook Pro has been refreshed. So this may be a good time to buy for you MacBook guys. Everybody has been complaining about Apple because they're not refreshing the MacBook. They're just letting it languish. They put all their effort in the iPhone, and they just sort of let the MacBook go. But they finally refreshed the MacBook Pro line. I mean, in fact, it used to be that, you know, the processor in the MacBook Pro was like two, three years old. They didn't, they didn't even refresh the processor. So if you notice, in April, Intel released its eighth-generation Intel processor, dubbed Coffee Lake. But Apple held off putting it into the new and, and, and held off actually incorporating it. But now they have put it into some of the, some of the uh, notebooks in the MacBook Pro lineup. Now, it's not available in all of them. You'll have to opt for the touch bar enabled models. Now, those start at $17.99. So you, you can't get the super cheap one. You get the $17.99. So let's say the 13-inch model with the touch bar comes with 8 gig of RAM, 250 6 gigabyte solid state drive, 2.3 gigahertz quad core Coffee Lake processor, and um, and they've got a 15 inch that um, you know that that that's got 16 gigs of RAM, 256 gigabyte solid hard drive, and it costs about 2,300 dollars. So so they've got the you know you get it you can $1,800 or $2,300 to get this thing. Now you can also get more RAM, a faster processor. They also fixed the the keyboard so it's not so sensitive to dust. So this is the thing. If you've been holding off to buy a MacBook Pro, I'd say this is the time to do it. They're now uh, they're now available, and they'll be they'll be available now very soon uh, on the market. Yes. You know what that means. Yes, indeed. You know, I sneezed. I turned my mic off. I'm not having a real good day at the board here. Very sorry. Let's go. <laughs> we're we're going to play the quiz. We're going to go to line two. This is Ken, who is calling us from Laurel, Maryland. Dr. Schertz, if you would please go ahead and ask yes, the question. Uh, Ken, I, we talked about Joseph Engelberger, and he, of course, invented the old Unimate robot. And uh, what was the first company that actually bought the Unimate robot? 
General Motors. That, that is, is correct. the correct answer. Look at that, Doctor yes, Schurz. Please indeed. tell him what he's won. Oh, two tickets to fine dining, and we're we're figuring we're figuring out how that link works, so you'll actually get those tickets. There you go. We got X. a little problem with the link, and I've got the team working on it. Uh, there you go, uh, Ken. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the call. Hang on a second. We're <laughs> going to put you on hold here, and we are going to uh, give you back to um, Andrew, who will take your information, and we'll send the prize out to you. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio. This is Federal News Radio, fifteen hundred AM, eight twenty AM. I'm sorry, we're off there. We're on 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2 on the web at stratford.edu. And you can watch us do the program and watch me mess up the board by going to the Periscope device, download it to your uh, device, and follow us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most sought-after fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu slash 2018. That's stratford.edu slash 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu slash 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. The big shoot-off in home automation is Amazon Echo versus Google Home. Or Unimate. No, I want a Unimate. No, I don't think a Unimate's not going to work. <laughs> Maybe you could get a Roomba, but not a Unimate. <laughs> Uh, now, which one should you choose, the Amazon Echo or the, or the Google Home? Now, it turns out that, you know, Apple tried to make an entry in the field, but they just uh, have not been successful. So they really only have two choices. Now, now, actually, the two systems are quite equivalent, but they have different advantages, and it just depends on the features, which features you like. Now, it turns out that Amazon Echo, you can you just call it Alexa which is pretty nice. If you, ha- if you get the Google Home, you have to say, okay, Google. Personally, I like saying Alexa. It just, it's, it's, it's more personal. So yeah. many people will choose, Am- uh, you will choose the Amazon Echo simply because they'd rather have Alexa rather than okay, Google. And Alexa's kind of sexy. That's right. It is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, the Amazon... You think they did that on... Uh, that th- wasn't a mistake. No, it, it was definitely not a mistake. They researched that out. Also, the Echo's got a, a very nice intercom system. You can communicate from one room to another. You can make phone calls be- between Echo's. Google Home has something like this, but it's only a broadcast system. You can't actually talk to a specific device. Um, Amazon and Google both let you make phone calls with your small s- smart speaker, 
but only Amazon will let you send messages, text messages with just your voice. And of course, Amazon Echo has a chance to order things through Amazon. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you have if you have that activated on your device, I highly recommend that you put a pin in there, a four digit pin, so that somebody just can't randomly order things with your Amazon Echo. <laughs> <a> good idea. <laughs> the problem. The kids, pizza showing up every day. I know. Now Google is playing catch up. You know they're 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 trying to really catch up to Amazon. Now Google does have one big advantage over Amazon. It's your Google account. So if you've got a Gmail account. Uh, you could you could use the Google Home to manage your calendar. It could call up events. You can use Google Maps to get to work, and it will tell you when you have to leave. You can use Chromecast. If you've got Chromecast, you can use Google, Google Home to, to cast a video to your TV set just with your voice. And if you've got multiple people in your home uh, with multiple Gmail accounts, Google Home will recognize the voice and it will associate the Gmail account with the person who's talking. So you could have like four people with four different Gmail accounts and four different calendars, and we, and we keep them straight. Now, Google Home uh, will give you a better answer. There's more intelligence beyond Google Home than there is. Amazon Echo basically just quotes Wikipedia. It, Alexa can answer some questions, but will likely not answer them as well as Google Home. Now, if you have an Android, Google Home is easier because it's integrated with the, the Android phone. So here's the deal. They're, they're, they're both pretty equivalent. You know, they both set timers, listen to music, control your smart home. You can ask basic questions. So the one that you choose depends on which ecosystem you like. Are you in the Google ecosystem or are you in the Amazon ecosystem? Or it could be just as simply, I like Alexa rather than Hey Google. So pick either one. You're going to be perfectly fine. And just decide which features you prefer. Okay. Okay. The Surface Pro, the Surface Go, is a new computer which is being uh, released by Microsoft. And they want to compete with the iPad. Uh, but I, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be successful, uh, a, a, su- a successful competitor. But each time Microsoft tries to do this, they get better and better and better. Now, the Microsoft Surface Go... Sells for three ninety nine, and it runs the Windows S mode, which is the the, the touchscreen mode. It's designed to be cheap and portable enough to th- and to throw whatever you'd like and to th- you know just throw it in the bag and take it with you. It's mm-hmm. not, not a whole laptop. So the at the three ninety ninety nine model starts with a ten inch screen, four gigs of RAM, sixty four gigabytes of MMC memory, and an Intel Gold processor. It ships with the uh, Windows ten S mode. Which, own, uh, which only allows you to install apps from the Windows Store and browse with Edge. Now, of course, if you want to use a full Windows device, you can turn off the S mode and it'll just be a regular Windows device. But the, the touchscreen mode of the Windows device is just not as intuitive as the iPad. It's a little clunky. So you'd probably want to have a keyboard. I mean, Microsoft just is more keyboard-centric. So if you want a keyboard, there's a nice keyboard cover that costs $99. <laughs> So you could get an upgraded version for with eight gigs of RAM, 128 gig, gigabyte solid state hard drive. That'd be 549. Then if you add 99 dollar keypad, you're you're up at 650. So at 650 dollars, it's not quite as powerful as a similarly priced laptop, and it's not as cheap as a more powerful iPad. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just going to fall through the cracks. Sure. I don't think this is going to be a successful move. It's going to go on sale August 2nd, but it it's 
I think they're moving in the right direction, and maybe they do a couple more iterations of the Surface Go. It will be a good device. Okay. Okay, let's talk about a near and something that's near and dear to my heart. Especially after you drop your phone in water. Yeah, and and I and I, I mean that's the reason I I came back so late last night was after my Friday the thirteenth, you know, debacle ex- experiences. I had to have a glass of wine, mm-hmm. and then it, it occurred to me. I says, "Why does wine go bad when you open it?" You know, and so yeah. So the thing is, you open up a bottle of wine. If you don't finish the whole bottle, it'll be bad the next day. So you might as well just finish the whole bottle. Well, that leads to various problems. That leads to a lot of issues. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so you know, I started wondering. And so this is like, so let's get into the food science of why mm-hmm. wine goes bad. Well. It is, it, and a simple story is that when one bottle is uncorked, the contents are exposed to air, and it causes them to oxidize. Now, it turns out there's bacteria that's naturally pre- present, present in grapes. And that bacteria uh, can work on either the sugar in the grape juice or the alcohol in the wine, and it can turn it into acetic acid, and that gives a very vinegary taste. And that's what they call wine vinegar. Mm-hmm. Now, it turns out these bacteria need oxygen to grow. So when the wine is in the bottle, uh, they're CO, because when the, during the fermentation process, CO2 form, is formed by fermentation. So there's a layer of CO2 in the wine bottle above the wine. No oxygen. As soon as you open the bottle... The CO2 is gone. The CO2 is gone. The oxygen then immediately activates the bacteria, and they start doing the ugly deed, and they start creating acetic acid. So as soon as you uncork the bottle, you expose the wine to oxygen, and the bacteria begins to feed madly on whatever it wants to. Now, not all these changes are undesirable. Some, It turns out that expensive red wines in particular are said to improve if you let them sit in the decanter for a while and breathe. Aerate, to breathe, yeah. So there is a so there is a change in flavor, and or you can get a, an oxygenator where you pour you've got a you pour it through this device. It's got two holes, and it's the Bernoulli effect. It sucks mm-hmm. in air, and you can aerate the wine as you pour it. So people have decided that a small amount of aeration and oxidation is good because it changes it mellows the wine. And there's not enough time, though, for this big acetic acid buildup. Now, some white wines oxidize in the bottle for years, and that produces a rich, a richer quality rather than a sour quality. So it depends on the wine. But still, oxygen is the enemy of most wine. Now, there are several devices that you do that. One is that you can take a vacuum pump. You can pump out the air. Mm-hmm. But you don't I have quite, those. You don't quite get all the air out. You can also... Inject nitrogen as a sealant. Nitrogen is heavier than air, so you can inject a little nitrogen, and it will sit on top of the wine. And um, and that theoretically, the nitrogen it lets you keep the wine for a week. But the, and you can get a vacuum pump or nitrogen sealant for be ten, between ten and twenty dollars. They're not too expensive. Now, Popular Science has has rated these, and they had you know blind taste testing, and it turned out that experts could always tell the new wine from the old wine, no matter which whether they had the vacuum or the nitrogen sealant. Uh, but then the average wine buyer didn't notice it too much unless it was, unless it was older. Mm-hmm. But the conclusion, of, the conclusion that popular science made, they said, given the fact that the wine can't really be preserved once it has oxygen, your best bet is just to finish the bottle that day. Yeah. And then you won't have a problem. And then go to sleep early. And then and then go to sleep. Now, uh, okay, good. Now I like the boxed wines, 
Do you? I would never would have guessed that. Because I tell you, see the box. It's not so they've got some pretty good wines in boxes, and there's just this plastic uh, membrane in there. And as you take out a glass, the membrane shrinks. Oh yeah. So the the wine is never exposed to oxygen. So the first glass is just as good as the last glass. How about that? And so you can. That's why. That's why those boxes have four bottles in them, and and, and you. And they're, they're good for a couple of but weeks. But, you know, the funny thing is the boxed wine uh, is victim to the stereotype that it's cheap because it's in a box and it's not in a nice bottle. I know. Right? That's that's just the marketing hype. It's but that's the, bunk. But, you have debunked that today. But the thing is the, the boxed wine, um, it may not be the primo quality wine, but the beauty of it is you can drink one glass and then the, and, the, and you can drink it one glass every day and it will be good for... You know, a couple of weeks. You know what would be a great thing to invent would be somebody comes up with a reusable thing like that, a membrane that you can take the the, the wine, but you you but in the process you're going to expose it to oxygen. There's no way it's got to come in the pouch to begin with. It's got to come in the pouch, yeah. So you in the past we've talked about this before. You had two other potential um, solutions. One. Put it in a smaller decanter when you're finished, a closable decanter, so there's no yep. space for the air. Mm-hmm. Th- does that work? That could work, but it's but it's hard to get out all the air. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, it's hard, it's hard to get it all out. And the other method was put marbles in the wine bottle until it fills up. Well, that that would be another bottle. Yeah, put marbles in and, and just lift it up so there's no air space. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to cork it somehow. Yeah, just just get rid of all the air space so there's less oxygen. So there there are ways to. You know, minimize the oxygen, but it's... But I think you're the proponent of just drink the whole bottle. So so what I do is that if if there's more than one person and we can, you know, reasonably drink a bottle, I'll open a bottle. If I'm just going to have a glass of wine... You have it out of the box. I'll have it out of the box. Look at that. You're so good and, and responsible. Exactly. And because I don't like the pressure of having to finish the, pre- the bottle. I mean, it's... <laughs> the peer pressure placed upon yourself because by I'm, yourself. Because I'm sitting here, I have one glass, and then I feel, you know, if I don't drink another three and a half glasses, you know, I'm going to waste it. So that's a lot of pressure. It so, is. So that, that is... I'm driven, sure you're that drinking... Is, that has driven me to the box. The good stuff. You're drinking the Chateau shirts, that's you know, right. and... Anyway. Now, now, this... There was a survey. You know, I've talked a lot about over-the-top television, you mm-hmm. know, where, you you know, you get, like, Netflix, Amazon Prime. They come over the Internet... And you're not subscribing to cable. They did a they did a survey, and they they called decoding the default report. They wanted to know what is the default setting for most of the TV users, and they discovered that only 39 percent of viewers use live TV as their default. That means 61 percent of the TV viewers actually go to on-demand content. So the market share of live TV is going down and down and down each year. So, and so this is really interesting. And for viewers between ages of 18 to 34, it turns out that only 26% of them use live TV as a default. And that was compared to 35% a year ago. So that's dropping very quickly. And so one clear influence on TV is like the sources, like the average person gets over-the-top TV from like 4.5 sources. That includes TV, DVR, video-on-demand, Netflix, and that's numbers going up each year. So Hulu found, Hub found that 50% of the 18 to 34 subscribed to at least two of the big three video-on-demand services. That would be Netflix, Amazon, or Hulu. So I got, I've got Netflix and Amazon. I tried Hulu for a while, but then I, I didn't like it. 
I didn't like the way it was organized, so I don't use that. But but I do use Netflix and Amazon, Amazon Prime. It's fantastic. So this shift is making a huge change to, to television advertising. Now, the study was based on 1,900 U.S. consumers who have broadband and watch at least one hour of TV each month, each week. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's a that's quite an interesting thing. You know, have you heard about this China ZTE? They they want to get the band lifted, yeah. and ZTE is this Chinese telecom company that was stealing all the U.S. secrets, and then we froze their accounts because we were violating all of the uh, the trademarks. So they're trying to get things lifted. Uh, Trump has said, "Okay, we'll we'll consider to do that. We're considering to do this thing." They've asked ZTE to pay one billion penalty for what they did in the past, put four hundred million in escrow as part of the settlement. Now, the escrow is designed to allow the U.S. government to access the $400 million if ZTE violates the deal. It looks like this is going forward. I mean, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really opposed by Congress, but I was reading yesterday, it looks like this deal with ZTE is going forward. And I don't really know if this is a good idea because people are thinking that ZTE may be, um, may be too much giving too much technology clout to China. And uh, so I've got a feeling that this whole ZTE deal is going to be stopped by Trump. Gotcha. We're just about out of time. Well, I'm going to tell you now. So next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about my experiences at the Apple store mm-hmm. in Apple Care. And I'm going to go in there and, uh, you know, I'll see what happens with this water damage. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm hoping yeah. I can get this phone replaced without having to buy a new one. Because, well, my, my two-year contract is up. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking of just going to to, to month to month, you know, prepaid deal because it's so much cheaper. Right, sure. So I just assume keep my iPhone six and then do that. Gotcha. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.